You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Good evening and welcome to episode 130 of the Boys in the Booth podcast. Cody Abrams and Melbourne back with you this week after Chad and Jonathan Kiriakou did that great uh, Let Us Explain Toronto Maple Leafs off-season episode next week. We hope you enjoy that one. And uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, you can listen to it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. So, uh, guys, how we doing after the Colorado Avalanche win the Stanley Cup last night in Tampa Bay? Doing pretty good, Harp. I'm I'm a little exhausted right now because this summer's been busy as hell. Like I've said the last couple of weeks, and it's just been go go go, and not a lot of sleeping going on. So, I'm pretty exhausted. I I did, you know, manage to stay awake past Colorado winning the cup. Um, that was exciting, but I mean, not not too much going on there for a Devils fan. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a bit upset. I lost fifty bucks because I had a nice bet on Tampa Bay to win the cup. We all predicted Tampa Bay to win the cup, and they just couldn't get it done. I thought for sure when Stamco scored that opening goal on Kemper that they were just going to steamroll them that game and go back and win it in Colorado in Game 7. But no such thing happened. you got to tip your cap to Colorado, who just had an unbelievable postseason. Like, just incredible. I think they tied the league record for total wins in a season, if if I'm getting that stat right. Season wins, wins and postseason wins. Yeah, that's so in, right. in one encompassed season. So that's incredible. What a great team to watch. Like, you know, we've kind of been saying this for a while that that they were due to break through and, and get over the hump and get it done. And this was the year. And, you know, even though I didn't pick them to win, I'm still happy for them. And, uh, you know, they'll be back next year. And so will Tampa Bay. So we could even see a similar final next year if both these teams just keep chugging. But this weekend for me was also good. Uh, you know, you mentioned two weekends ago I did the episode with John Kiriakou, and that was super fun talking about the Maple Leafs. This past weekend, I went to uh, my, my family visit. It was my mom's birthday. I got to see my little uh, <laughs> nephew, Maverick, all weekend. Went to the zoo and stuff. He's the cutest, you know, handsomest little boy, and it was the best best time. It was great seeing them. And uh, yeah, just overall in a good mood. Paige gets back in a week, so I've got one more week of uh, bachelor life. She's over in Europe right now. Um, so yeah, things are things are going well. Cool. Yeah, good weekend here in Brockville, boys. We had the Tall Ships Festival this past weekend, so there were a few thousand people down at Blockhouse and uh, got to do a little bit of announcing down there as well and see these really cool ships and actually get to go on one of them last night with uh, with Meg, so that was really cool. And uh, yeah, it was a great weekend. And now just looking forward to the off-season craziness. And obviously that starts with the NHL Draft Round 1 on June or July 7th, excuse me, uh, from the Bell Center in Montreal. And of course, the Habs have the first pick. But before we move on to our uh, draft preview stuff for this episode, again, congratulations to the Colorado Avalanche and uh, all of our buddies who we know who are Avs fans, whether it's Chad Kaskinet or 
Cole Pickup or Nick Servage, whoever. Congrats to those guys. They've been waiting for a while. They're third Stanley Cup in franchise history, and they're able to get it done. So, again, congratulations to the Colorado Avalanche. All right, let's uh, get into some draft preview. So, we're going to go through a mock top 10 uh, for the NHL draft in round one and sort of have a discussion of that. And uh, we're going to focus on, obviously, team needs and which player suits which team the best as we go through our mock top 10. So starting at the top with the host team, the Montreal Canadiens, how perfect is this? Kent Hughes and company have the number one pick where the draft is held in Montreal, and I've got them taking Shane Wright of the Kingston Frontenacs. He's been the projected number one pick all year long. Uh, He goes to the host to set up a bright future down the middle with uh, Wright and Suzuki in Montreal. So, guys, I've got Shane Wright going to the Montreal Canadiens. I think it's a great fit. Yeah, that's who I have going there, too. He's kind of the consensus one overall pick in this draft. There's always a, a, you know, rumbles that someone else should go like whether it be logan cooley or slikovsky both those guys think they should be the first overall pick and a lot of people are you know mentioning that like even uh, line a was mentioned that he was going to go over matthews at one point it happens every single year but i'm pretty sure we're all certain that shane wright will go to montreal and if he doesn't i think there's gonna be a lot of puzzled faces in the bell center uh just like when they picked Kotka and Niemi a few years ago, but you know, exceptional status, CHL Rookie of the Year when he when he did come in, and he was the assistant captain right away. And for the Frontenacs, I remember when I was working Kingston for the radio, I was talking to a few guys with the Frontenacs, and they said they're it's unbelievable how much of a professional this guy is at 15 years old, 16 years old, 17 years old. He's just all all pro already and uh yeah it's a it's gonna be a great pickup for montreal um a little a little more size than what they're used to thank goodness for them so i think it's gonna be a good pick for them yeah so case you said we're all in agreement here that shane wright is gonna go to montreal you don't think they're gonna take jack hughes number one overall Uh, uh, (laughs) it's the wrong jack hughes yeah it's the wrong jack hughes to go number one but yeah so you're right we're in agreement here shane wright is is the no-brainer number one pick but i mean if you look past you know if you look at past number one overall picks like you're not extremely excited to get shane wright i mean he's going to be a phenomenal player but since his exceptional status year and his 16 year in the ohl his numbers have kind of dipped a bit and there's been a lack of that extremely high-end scoring in the ohl that you expect to see from a number one overall pick but the player has extremely good hockey iq you know his shot is pretty good he competes really hard, and like you said, Case, he's a professional. So, in terms of the guy that you're getting, you couldn't ask for a better player, you know, at number one overall. I think it's a little unfair to talk about his produ- uh, production compared to other one overalls, considering he didn't. Not all of those guys had to miss a full year of hockey, and and I'm sure that had a major impact on Shane Wright as well as you know the whole of the OHL, like all of those players took uh took a beating from that like that's just rust city so totally and at the same time too i don't think you can say the same about many first overall players um that they play a 200 foot game quite the way that shane wright does so that's another thing he has going for him he's, he's an extremely talented player 
But there was a survey in The Athletic. I forget who did it or, or who wrote about it from anonymous uh, NHL executives. And that's what one of the execs said. He said, you know, Shane Wright's the consensus number one, but you're not particularly excited to get him, especially when you look back at some previous first overall picks. But nonetheless, it's going to be an exceptional player. And uh, Montreal is going to get a hell of a guy, too. Before we yeah. move on from him, I just want to do a little like test here. I want to see what you guys think because I was trying to do this. Who, who in the last you know, say fifteen years, twenty years, who would you compare him to with other one overalls? In t- in terms of his play style or his ceiling, like potential play style. I, I'm not thinking of a number one overall pick, but. I think Patrice Bergeron is a, is a close comparison. A guy like that who plays both ends of the ice, you know, Canadian guy, responsible in his own end, can score. Mm-hmm. That's who I think Harp. of when I think of Shane Wright. Harp? I'll go with a more recent one, and I've heard comparisons of um, the 2017 draft to this draft, and I'll say Nico Heischer. Okay. For some reason, my... My brain goes instantly to John Tavares. I, I mean, Montreal can only hope that he's John Tavares, but I don't. Maybe it's because of the exceptional status or or what what it is. But he just, you know, that similar build and and similar makeup, and I don't know. That's that's where my mind goes. Instantly. The leadership, the you know, the, yeah, the two way play. I get that. That makes sense. Yeah. No, good question for sure. All right, uh, so that takes care of number one for the Montreal Canadiens. And yeah, if they go up to the podium and pick Shane Wright, uh, that would not surprise many people. That would be the safe pick. And I think Habs fans all over would be happy with a future down the middle with Wright and Suzuki. Moving on to you, uh, your uh, New Jersey Devils case at number two, if they still have this pick and they hang on to it on uh, on draft day um and i have them taking the big slovakian winger uri slavkovsky a powerful winger with some scoring touch had a great season uh full of experiences playing against uh, some some top men and uh i have him going to the devils i think it makes a lot of sense they're pretty deep down the middle. It looks like it's Hughes, Keisher, and Dawson Mercer, one, two, three. And so I think Slavkovsky fits right in as a pretty good winger that could slide in next to any one of those guys. So I've got Slavkovsky going to the Devils at number two. I think it'd be a great fit. Yeah, I'm wearing all my devil stuff right now because this in the last few years is the only time I can really cheer for them is the NHL draft. <laughs> and uh, I'm with you, Harp. I have Stokowski going two overall to the Devils. Um, I think it's the better fit for New Jersey. He had a massive year for him last year. He had silver medal in the Holinka Gretzky, silver medal in the Liga with his his pro team olympic mvp with most points and goals in the tournament winning bronze for slovakia world championship top three player most points by u20 and u18 player and yeah like i said the devils you know they've got a lot of the logan coolies they've got a lot of center depth and undersized uh, skillful players well Slikovsky fits this major gap for New Jersey in size and goal scoring Uh, Tom Fitzgerald has even said on record that you know he made a statement saying he doesn't want too many of the same player 
And for me, right away, that kind of cuts Logan Cooley out of the conversation. Now, something that you guys might find interesting because you wouldn't be reading into this is that on All About the Jersey, um, uh, the Sports Nation um, website for New Jersey, they have been talking about the fact that in a value aspect, maybe Logan Cooley is the best player to draft for the Devils because they've been so good in the last three years at developing those undersized players. They have a track record of developing Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Dawson Mercer, Jesper Bratt. So they know the formula there. They know what to do with a player like Logan Cooley. And, you know, maybe you develop him and maybe that becomes a trade piece. Maybe one of the other guys become um, a trade piece because you get a Logan Cooley in return. So the value might be Logan Cooley, but I think the player that makes the most sense for the Devils and honestly, he's a lock at top three for me in Slikovsky. So... I mean, I would I would be most happy if they trade the second overall pick, and then Slikovsky, and then Cooley. That's my order of happiness here. Yeah, well, there's a lot there, Case, and I think we're pretty much on the same page here. You guys both ha- both have Slikovsky at two, and so do I. You might have been thinking that I was going to take Logan Cooley at number two here because what we talked about a few weeks ago. You know, I wasn't the highest on Slavkovsky, and to be honest, I'm still not sure what to think of this player or how to evaluate him. I know he's a big forward who can score goals and impressed at a couple tournaments late last year. But at the same time, I also know that he struggled in the Liga. And if we're looking at a number like NHL E, I know that number is not the end all be all, but his production in the Liga and and how it translates to the translates to the NHL projected is far lower than a lot of other players in this top 10 that I have here. Like, for example, Shane Wright, his production in the OHL projects him to get about 76 points in the NHL next season. Slavkovsky, on the other hand, 31, and that's one of the lowest of the top 10. Now, I think projections are one thing and actual play is another thing. There's a reason he's climbed up the leaderboard in in terms of draft projections over the last few months, and it's because he's impressed on the international stage. But there is still a bit of a worry there for me, and that's why I'm not completely sold on Slavkovsky at number two. But that's where I have him, because I agree, Case, I think it makes complete sense for the team. You've got your Logan Cooleys, you know, you mentioned that. You need something different to add to that top six. And if you keep the pick, I think Slavkovsky slides in right away as an NHL-ready player. He certainly has the physique to do so. And he's able to do some damage in the top six with whether it's Hughes or Heischer or Bratt or whoever they put him next to. You know, I, I think it makes total sense for the team. Yeah, so I'm going to refrain right now from talking about why I don't think Logan Cooley should be number two, because we'll, I'll talk about that when I think he should be drafted, but I'll talk about Slikovsky more and uh, his production in, in La Liga. Two things that, that don't worry me about that is he's playing in the Liga. He's not playing in the USHL like that. The comparisons of those two league is just so far off on the spectrum and yeah it it didn't go well but i mean i also think that the olympics is better hockey than the liga so he did impress in that although it's a low sample size of course but the the thing that really i i look at more is in his draft interview someone asked he said you're slovakian why did you go to finland to play and he said well i personally and and 
I think a lot of people agree on this. He said his, his weakness was, was foot speed. It was his, his speed. And he said, I want to go to the Liga because they're faster league. They're one of the most fat, the fastest league in Europe. He said, I want to go to the Liga and work on my foot speed. So, I mean, that right there is already, it, that that's a character thing to me that he knows his weakness. He wants to work on it. And he was out in, in Finland doing that. Maybe not necessarily working on the scoring as much that he's had in the past and then when he got to play internationally that's when he was like okay time to light this shit up and boy did he do that yeah and like the thing is he's grown over the year too like he's he's developed into a better player but it's just hard for me to be completely sold on this guy at number two when looking at his production in the Liga compared to a guy like Joachim Kemmel who had more points than him this year's NHLE is around 60 for next year. And he's projected to go top 10 as well um, after a full season in the Liga. So there's, there's a comparison there, but I still do think he's, he's the best pick at number two for New Jersey or frankly, for, for most other teams who get that number two spot. So I think, you know, you mentioned him working on his foot speed. That's fantastic. I don't think it was a weakness, just something that he's not above average at. So that's great that that wasn't identifying, you know, something he identified. Um, I think his puck skills are some of the best in this draft. He he has fantastic hands. And also, he has a great shot, too. So if this guy can kind of put it all together in the next couple of years, like I said, I think he's a great fit for New Jersey in their top six. Yeah. The, the last thing I'll, I'll say before we move on is, uh, like most Devils fans, I am slightly worried about that pick because of the history of Pavel Zaka and how that turned out. Um, I obviously love Pavel Zaka and, and I'm a big fan of his, but uh, in his draft position, it, that that size winger didn't really work out for us. Mm-hmm. Different team now, though. Different team. Now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, we've seen that happen before, for sure. All right, moving on to the Arizona Coyotes picking at number three. And guys, I got to tell you, I'm excited to talk about this pick for the Yotes. I feel really confident in my argument on why the Coyotes should take this player, because I think it addresses a glaring organizational need, and that is the need for a number one center in their organization. So I have the Coyotes picking Logan Cooley at number three overall. So again, going back to that need for a number one center, I think when they drafted Barrett Hayton a few years back, they envisioned him as being a number one center. What we saw this year from Hayton playing under Andre Turnier is that he is going to be a really good second or third line center that can play that two-way game, kill some penalties, not put up a ton of points, but still be a very good secondary player in the middle for the Coyotes. So number one uh, on, uh, on Hayton and then number two, Nick Schmaltz, who started out his career as a centerman, but had a huge year as a winger for the Coyotes, and so I think the plan will be to keep him on the wing. You have Keller on one side and Schmaltz on the other, and then this year, their first-line center for a large chunk of the season was Travis Boyd, and that's obviously not a long-term fit for that organization. So I have Logan Cooley going at number three to the Coyotes. I think right there you identify that need as having a number one center that can play between wingers like 
Clayton Keller and Dylan Gunther for a very long time. I think Cooley to the Coyotes at three would be a home run for this organization as they can uh, continue this teardown rebuild. What do you guys think? Well, Harper, we are three for three on the draft so far because I also have Logan Cooley going number three. I think for me, the top three was set and it was just which order am I going to put these guys in? And and I have Cooley at number three. Um, a lot of for the same reasons Chad kind of mentioned about Sikovsky and that I don't really know how to evaluate players in the U.S. development program anymore. I really don't know what that means because it's kind of the stacked team in in a weak league every single year. And his production is also just not as good as some of the players we've seen come out of the development program lately, Um, i.e. Jack Hughes or uh, Beneers or I don't know. There's a handful of them. Plus, yeah, exactly. Logan Cooley is probably going for that exact reason and for his size will probably be in the ncaa for at least you know one to two years now and that's a player that you know the devils don't want to pick another player that they have to wait on they need ready now or they need to trade this pick and that's why i have open Cooley slip down to number three although i've heard he might be the most talented player in this draft he's got a ridiculous IQ. He's got the best, maybe the best hands in the draft. And then on top of that, I've heard he's just as good two way as Shane Wright. So, uh, yeah, Arizona gets an absolute steal here at number three. And this this one, this might be a player that I forever loathe in the league because I, I might ultimately wish the Devils had picked him. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the hockey sense. You you mentioned the skating too, like all of that combined i think makes logan cooley perhaps the one of the most sought after after prospects in this draft and maybe even the best when it's all said and done i think he has the highest ceiling in the draft i don't think that's crazy to say um you know but we're talking about him at number three here because right now i think number one and two shane wright and yurev slikovsky um, have solidified themselves and they fit the team needs at one and two. And then I think Logan Cooley at three is just the best player available. And if he lives up to his potential, like I said, could be the best player from this draft. But I guess we'll just have to see. You know, there's there's a lot there. Um, but yeah, I'm agreeing with you guys at, at Cooley at number three. I just think it makes sense. He's the best player and well, Arizona kind of needs everything. So why not take the best player? Exactly. Available? It's like <laughs> this player is the best player available at three and he fits the team needs. So it's like, yeah, perfect. Arizona, very happy with themselves right now. Yeah. You know that the Coyotes would love to be at the top. They would love to pick Shane, Wright. They would be very happy with that. And you know what? They pick Cooley at three and then. They have a good chance at taking Connor Bedard at number one in 2023. So there you go. But case to your point, the Devils are in win now mode. They're looking to take the next step. So they take Slavkovsky, slides into the lineup right away. There's a good chance of that or they deal that pick. There's no rush for Arizona. They have teared this down to the studs and they are going to take all the time in the world. So um, I think uh, Cooley would be a great pick and uh, let him take all the time he needs to develop into that number one franchise center that they need. Harp, when you teed this one up, the way you said it, like 
I have, I can really defend this point or whatever. I can really defend this guy. I have a good argument for the fact that he should go third. I thought it was going to be someone else because Cooley is like the guy. You know, I thought the way you set it up, it was like going to be a crazy pick. But no, that was no, that no. was the guy, and it's it's a good pick at three. No, it, it, it's it, it was definitely obvious at the same time, but I just mean it was more. I, I felt good about the argument as far as the organizational need for yeah. the Coyotes. So anyway, sense. that's mm-hmm. yeah, makes sense. definitely. All right, moving on to number four, the Seattle Kraken. They drafted second overall last year. Took uh, centerman Matty Beniers from Michigan, of course, and now they're picking. Two spots later at number four, and uh, it was a rough season for the Kraken, but, uh, you know, the future uh, certainly looks bright. They have a lot of picks, of course, after the trade deadline, and I have them taking the first defenseman off the board, and that is Simon Nemec, another Slovakian, goes in the top five uh, offensive defensemen. So last year, you take uh, Matty Beneers as a building block, a forward and this year, the Kraken take a defenseman as another building block for the future. So I have them taking Simon Nemec as the first defenseman to come off the board in the first round of the draft. What do you guys think? Don't even know why I signed on to Skype because I could have just let Harp do this thing for me because <laughs> I also have Nemec going to Seattle. And then he took my points. And I was going to say, you know, the two things you really want to build up, especially as a new franchise, that's your centers and your defensemen. Well, they got Beniers last year. Now they can get Nemec, the best defenseman available in this draft. Don't care what you say. Thank you very much. Um this guy had an incredible year last year, a great regular season, but then his playoffs, almost a point per game in the Slovakian league for his team. He he just took such a major step. Right-handed defenseman, one of the most valuable things you can have in the league right now. It's like, of course, you want to take this guy at this position. He's been playing pro since he was 16 years old, and he just gets better and better. And I was looking at NHL equivalency, just like you, Chad. And this guy is like he has a better equivalency than Quinn Hughes at that at that age and was compared to Victor Hedman. So I don't think you could go wrong there when it when it when it when you're looking at production. But he can also play defense. He's the best two way defenseman available in this draft. And for me, in my mind, that makes him the most valuable period. Yeah, and just like you guys, I've also got Nemec at number four here going to Seattle because this is a no-brainer. It just makes sense. Like, you guys both said it. They already have an A prospect up front, and that's Matty Beneers. Why not get an A prospect on the back end and just build from there? It makes total sense to get, you know, a guy at each position to build your franchise around because they've only had one draft and the expansion draft. So they just haven't really had an opportunity to build up their pool. So I think it makes total sense to take Nemec. Now, I will say, Case, I was between him and Juracek because they're both right-handed shot defensemen. They're both pretty good. They're both projected to go in the top 10. The only reason, I shouldn't say the only reason, but one of the driving reasons I took Nemec over Juracek for number four to Seattle, uh, despite thinking that both players are really good, is the fact that Nemec is a better skater. I don't care what you say. You know, you, Everything you read on Nemec just tells you that his IQ is really good. 
and he's a fantastic skater. And that's not to take away from Juracek, but I think he might be a bit of a below average player or skater rather. And you'd like to see how he kind of transitions and builds on his skating after getting that knee injury in the World Juniors. So that's something I would worry a bit about. Both defensemen are really good, but I'm in agree- agreement with you guys. I'm going to go Nemich at number four to Seattle. Just makes sense. When it, when it comes to top pairing defensemen, the baseline has now been set by the league in Kale McCarr. And that's exactly the the player that you want now as your top pairing defenseman. Well, I think this guy's the guy you could compare most to McCarr in his skating ability, his size, his puck play, the, the fact that he's such a two-way guy. Um, that's why I had him for the same reason higher than Juracek on the defenseman yeah. um, rankings. Yeah. Just as a side note, how great is this for Slovakian hockey to have Slavkovsky and Nemec projected to go in the top five? I love it. Yeah, that's yeah. great. No, for yeah, sure. for sure. Well, I was saying that earlier today. No, fantastic. All right, let's move on to that fifth pick, the Philadelphia Flyers, who were looking to be a lot better than they were last season. They have a new head coach in John Tortorella. And Chad, you mentioned him, uh, but I have uh, the Flyers taking David Juracek, the the Czech uh, defenseman, Big defenseman. He's long. He's definitely got some filling out to do, but uh, he's he's a big, long, rangy defenseman with a bomb from the point. And when I look at the Flyers' blue line, um, obviously getting Ryan Ellis back healthy will be huge, but he's a veteran. There's questions about Travis Sanheim. He's been in trade rumors. And I think as an organization – they're not sure about Ivan Provorov right now. I think they they expect more from him and kind of uh, looked at him at one point as their um, not franchise defenseman, but their guy on the blue line. And there's some uncertainty around his future as well. So I think taking Juracek to solidify himself as their quote-unquote franchise defenseman potentially would be a great fit, uh, pick for the Philadelphia Flyers. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the first pick. We have a little parody because yes. I do not have your check at this pick. I have another guy that um, it seems like every year there's one of these guys that jumps up the draft rankings, you know, kind of leading up to the draft, but then even more so on draft day, like people still have them at 10 or 14 and then they jump up and it's because of the unteachables. And this guy that I'm going to bring up, I've heard has the best unteachables in this draft. His draft interviews for the most impressive is what the GMs are saying. And it's the things like his compete level and his professionalism and his locker room presence and the, the things that you just can't teach players. And for that reason, I have Cutter Gauthier going at number five to the Philadelphia Flyers. He also has that speed and power that attracts the Flyers every year. Like I'm sitting here trying to think, what are the needs of the Philadelphia Flyers? Well, it's everything. They've kind of really regressed in their prospect pool situation. And when you need everything, then you take the player, the type that that is usually, you know, usually thought of with the team. And that's Cutter Goche for me. 
Case, great pick. I I knew yep. that you were going to mention him as soon as you started talking about the unteachables, the intangibles, things like that. Um, and yeah, you get a centerman there to replace um, Claude Giroux, who is no longer there, obviously. And so that's a great pick. I was kind of thinking along the same lines here when I picked number five for Philadelphia. I went with a different centerman, and I think he's the best player available in terms of forwards anyways at this pick. Um, not saying he necessarily fits the player profile that Philadelphia typically goes for, but I'm saying I think this is the best player available, the most talented, and I think they should pick him. So I'm putting him at number five because I think this is what they should do, and that's Matthew Savoy. Matthew Savoy had a fantastic year, and he has one of the highest NHL equivalency projections of this draft, at least in the top 10 that I've looked through. Above average skating, hockey IQ, his shot is pretty damn good too. I think he has everything that makes a really good player. He's just a bit undersized, and I don't know if Philadelphia is attracted to that, but I think, you know, at number five, if he's still on the board, um, I, I think it makes total sense to get a franchise center, or at least your team's best center, uh, to replace Claude Giroux, who you had for so long. The thing about Matthew Savoy, which is interesting, is it's kind of kind of going against what I said in that he is a guy that's been dropping lately. But mm-hmm. I think I, I think this is going to be a Matthew Barzell situation where the guy keeps dropping and dropping leading up to the draft. And then we're like, why the hell didn't Boston pick him with three first round picks? Yeah. So. I, I I like the pick here. Um, I don't know if I like it for Philadelphia or not, but I definitely like Savoy going higher than what the projections are having him right now because for the longest time, he was like a top five pick and then he kind of fell right off the board now, like down to 14 or so. So it's a bold one, Chad. And well, I, I mean, it. I mean, just looking at some here, Elite Prospects has Savoy at nine. Bob McKenzie has him at four. Um, let's see where else Sportsnet has him at six. So I, I hear what you're saying. It is a bit off the board. Dauber prospects has him at seven, uh, Corey prom. And where did he have him? uh, at four or sorry, Scott Wheeler had him at four. So it's kind of, he's in the top 10, but you're right. He has been slipping over the last, you know, month or so, two months. And Cutter Goche has been doing the complete opposite. Like, it seems like yep. the question about Goche now is how high can he really go? Like, because he's just been climbing seemingly exponentially, you know, but, but yeah, I think yeah. both would make sense. I think the team fit, it makes sense to take Goche over Savoy, but I think overall, at least in my opinion, from what I've read, I think Savoy is, has the higher uh, top end potential. I do think it's funny that we both went with the intangibles pick. Like that's the the same conversation people have about Savoy. It's like, you know, he, he lacks size, but he has the intangibles. So it's like, I don't know. It's funny. We both, we both went with that at the, at the fifth pick, which is finally we get some, we've we've seen it the last few drafts. Like, yeah. No, great arguments by, uh, by both of you. Um, we'll move on to number six now, the Columbus Blue Jackets, as they continue to uh, build things back up. And I have them taking Finnish winger uh, Joachim Kemmel. Surprise, surprise. Jarmo Kekalainen, Finnish GM, goes with his fellow countrymen. This guy's a talented 
goal-scoring winger, uh, and I think he would look great alongside a couple of talented centermen that the Blue Jackets have in their organization. Cole Sillinger, who we saw a lot sooner than expected and had a pretty good rookie season, and, of course, Kent Johnson, who has such a high ceiling. We got to see a small sample size of him with the Blue Jackets and looked pretty good for Team Canada at the World Championships as well. So I have the Finnish winger, Kemmel, going to the Blue Jackets at six. In my mind's eye, I can see him playing for this team. I don't, I can't even explain to you what I mean there. I just, I do think it's a great fit, but um, I, I, we're, we're straying a little bit here, but I actually have David Juracek going to the Columbus Blue Jackets in this spot. I think that they're sitting and, and praying that a defenseman, one of the two right-handed defensemen, would slip to them. And uh, while in my draft board it did, in a lot of people's draft board, not the case, um, I think that I, I'd be willing to say that if the two defensemen are drafted before Columbus, Columbus will go with Kemmel. That's where, where I can agree with you there, Harper. But I think you're a check. You know, he he's that good of a defenseman, that right-handed defenseman. I think Columbus really needs some more, and they're they're already building good things uh, on the back end with Rinsky and Bogfist, and then they have uh, Peak that I just love from coming out of absolute nowhere. He's great. So another another defenseman in their system would be awesome. Uh, the one reason I actually have you're uh, a check dropping a little bit it was because of his bad knee he had a, a surgery last year on the ligaments in his knee and uh, i've read that he has not looked the same since coming back from that and for that reason i could see him dropping even further on this list but i do have a defenseman going to columbus although um if these two right-handed defensemen are available i'd agree with you harp in kennel yeah, so Case, we're on the same page then. In in when we look at Columbus, we see a clear need, and that's on D. I also have Juracek going at, at six to Columbus. I think it just makes sense. They've already got Kent Johnson up front and Cole Sillinger Harp, like you mentioned. And, you know, they're still kind of trying to replace Seth Jones. I know we, we rag on Seth Jones, but, you know, that was a key piece that they lost. And I know they're a different team now, but it just makes sense to me anyways in my head for them to start replenishing the cupboards, you know, on defense. So Juracek, we've already talked a lot about him. Hope the knee injury and everything goes okay um, because there is some concern about his skating and there was some concern about his skating even before that injury. So, um, but but yeah, right now I think at six, if he's available, I, I don't think uh, Columbus doesn't pick him. I think they for sure take your check at six. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure if they wanted to do it, they could certainly trade up and grab one of those two defensemen if they really wanted to. And speaking of the back end in Columbus, they're another team that's been tied to Jacob Chikrin a little bit. So Mm -hmm. you guys are definitely right. There is an organizational need for a defenseman. But uh, Mm -hmm. I just I, you know, I kind of see. Uh, you know, they look at Patrick Line, scoring winger. I think, you know, why not have another one of those and Jokub Kemmel, uh potentially? And uh, I, I like that pick for Columbus as well. Um, so let's go to the Ottawa Senators at number seven. And when talking about 
teams that could move their first round picks. Obviously, the Devils are the first that come to mind at number two, but the Ottawa Senators are the other team, right, guys? Like, they are a team that is looking to take a step as an organization to be competitive, to compete for a playoff spot. They've got a good young core. Um, just like the Devils do. But if they hang on to this number seven pick, I actually have them taking Matthew Savoy. Uh, we talked about him a little bit earlier. Elite skill, fun to watch, and he would join an already young and talented core of forwards in uh, in Ottawa. So uh, I've got uh, Savoy going to the Ottawa Senators. That's a, I think the Ottawa Senators is going to be a quick topic here because I also have a player that's already picked going to Ottawa and kind of kind of con- continues on of what with what Harper was saying and then me backing his pick is because I think Joachim Kemmel is the next best player here and I think he goes to Ottawa. Like you said, they they don't need a defenseman really. They they've been picking you know Lassie Thompson and Jake Sanderson and they've Bernard Docker and they've got a great prospect pull in the back end. But then you can say the same about forwards as well. So this team could kind of just pick the best player available and I think that's Kemmel here. He like like all the reasons Harper said, he's probably got the best shot in the draft or the the second best shot in the draft if you want to go there. Um, right winger, right handed kind of becoming more valuable once again i don't know what's happening to us right-handed people and um fins ottawa loves the fins so more coming their way yeah both of those make sense guys uh this pick for me seven for ottawa is a little bit off the board of the six rankings that i read to you earlier he's only in the top 10 uh on two of them two out of the six and this is Denton Matichuk, the defenseman out of Moose Jaw in the WHL. I think he's the third best D-man in the league and or in the draft, sorry. And I somewhat disagree, Case, that they don't need a defenseman. I think they look at their decor and, you know, I think Jake Sanderson is is a pretty safe bet now to be at least a top four defenseman, but you've still got a lot of question marks. Like we know Brandstrom isn't going to be the player that we thought he was going to be when they traded for him. And uh, Bernard Docker, too, like still yet to be proven. We don't really know how he's going to pan out in the NHL. So I think they look at this and and they look at a player with an NHLE of 78, by the way, who's over a point per game in the WHL this season. And they they say, look, if those other guys hit, you know, the Lassie Thompsons, the Bernard Dockers, the, the Brandstroms, if they hit and we get another defenseman, sure, that's gravy. But I just feel like there might be some some unease in the the Ottawa organization right now in terms of of how they feel about their depth on D and if there's not there should be because that's how I feel and I feel like you know when you look around the league that's how a lot of other teams feel about them too up front you know I think they've got a ton of talent there Tim Stutzla has kind of turned into the player already that they thought he can be and he's only getting better you know, they've kind of got a log jam of top six forwards or at least middle six forwards. So I just don't know if there's a player who can who they can pick, who they think is better than getting another defenseman who can score and, and play big minutes. So to me, it makes sense. It might not to you guys. Ottawa's known for kind of going off the board and making these picks. So made a chuck to Ottawa at number seven makes sense to me. I'm not saying that they don't need 
I'm not saying they don't need a defenseman. I'm not saying they don't. I, I'm just saying they don't have a glaring need to me. I yeah. think you're undervaluing Jake Sanderson. I think he's a top two defenseman in the league for sure. Um, I, I just think that they're, they've got options in every position. And for that reason, they take the best player available. That, that was my reasoning. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you think the best player available is a defenseman, then that's what they pick. But I, I yeah. think it's Kemmel based off off. What I've heard about him, he's going to be pretty dynamic scoring threat. And I, I just don't think you can have too many of those. Yeah, fair enough. No, for sure. Um, the other thing I'll say about the back end for the Senators is uh, to your point about Brandstrom, Chad, is that Brandstrom did come on towards the end of the season and did get a good opportunity to uh, to play in the top four with this team and uh, showed some of that potential that they've been waiting for. Obviously, not the player that they thought they were getting in the Mark Stone trade with Vegas, but Brandstrom did come on towards the end of the year and we'll get a bridge deal and, and, you know, we'll get another opportunity to prove himself. But with saying that I could see them taking a defenseman, whether it's uh Matejchuk or um, Mintyakov as well uh, from the Saginaw spirit, whoever Korchinski even uh, who I'm going to talk about uh, in a few picks from now, but uh, yeah, I could, I could see that as well. All right, let's move on to number eight. And we have the Detroit Red Wings with this pick and uh Guys, I'm going to go with another connection for this one. And uh, I have the Red Wings taking Frank Nazar. He's a smaller U.S.-born forward. Uh, and for me, this pick kind of goes with how Steve Eiserman drafted in Tampa Bay. All the scouting reports that I have read on this guy is he's relentless on the puck and brings a second effort every night. So. When I read that, I thought about a couple of guys that Iserman drafted in Tampa Bay. Braden Point and Anthony Sorelli. Relentless on the puck and always give a second effort. And so uh, I think they take Nazar. Oh, and guess what? He's from Michigan. And Detroit have done that. They've done that before. They picked Dylan Larkin, a hometown boy. So surprise, surprise, another connection with this pick. But I think uh, Nazar to Detroit would be not only a great pick for the organization, but would be a really cool storyline as well. Hart, you picked Detroit's pick the same way I picked Detroit's pick, and that's based off Stevie Y and what he's done in the past and also a connection, but different player. I'm going with Marco Casper here. Uh, he played with Moritz Seider and uh, another Rogel BK player in the SHL and another guy that you know other people might think of passing on because of his production in the SHL last year, but these smart people will look at his high, high, high ceiling due to his high IQ and the intangibles that this player has. Six foot two, 187 center. It's their biggest need in their prospect pool. And uh, basically, I had Detroit, whoever the, the first seven picks shut down, I had Detroit picking the next best center available. And I think that that is Casper. And that's why he's going there. That That's a good pick. And Harp, that was also a really good pick with Nazar. 
Um, mine is far less interesting at this point for number eight, just looking at how my draft board fell. I've got Joachim Kemmel, who, who we've talked about already, just because he's the best player available at that spot if he slips that far. But, um, I really like the Marco Casper pick because that would be such a Stevie Y thing to do, wouldn't it? Like take a guy who maybe you've seen more than some other GMs because of that connection with Cider and and just kind of go off the board because Casper's another guy. He's sort of polarizing. Like you look at some lists, he's as low as as mid 20s. You look at others and he cracks the top 10. So I think if you're looking at those polarizing guys who don't necessarily have the production but have the skill and maybe the mindset that you need that could be a really interesting pick so and, and harp i really like the nazar connection too in michigan who drafted Braden point well yeah steve yeah. exactly yeah yeah exactly and that's and, that's a marco casper situation to me sorry harp just just yep. quickly like you said like yep. i mean he only played 10 games with moritz but I, I think, you know, Stevie Y has a connection to Rogel after being there so much so he has seen him more. And then there is, he took a big step late in the year. He had a higher, um, higher minutes and impact to the game in the playoffs. He had six points in 13 games for his team in the SHL. So he did kind of step up there. And kind of the last thing I want to say about him is it seems like Austria every single year has one standout player. And, and it, that's another up-and-coming country that you're, you're happy to see this for absolutely and uh no i, I was just going to jump in and say that uh you know casper the way that he's been described by scouts and draft uh prospect experts is that kind of the same as uh how i talked about frank nazar relentless on the puck uh, just gives an honest effort every single night. And again, that comparison to Braden Point and some of those picks that Eiserman made during his time mm-hmm. in Tampa. So I could totally see Casper being picked by the Red Wings at eight. And like, yeah. r- regardless we, we of the same, who, yeah. We had the same mindset for, for this pick, Harper. We just went, yep. you know, a different player, but the, a similar player. Regardless of who Detroit gets, like it's going to be a good pick no matter what, right, guys? Like it <laughs> yeah. always is. No kidding. Yeah. And yeah. case just looking at it now, like I mentioned, that Casper sort of off the board because on some lists, you know, he's still as low as uh, as around twenty. Um, and I I was thinking about this like a couple months ago when I was looking at draft rankings. You know, like who's Toronto going to get in the mid twenties? Casper was a name that jumped out, but now it's there's not a chance he falls to twenty five. But he's in three. It, he's in the top ten of three of the six lists that I read earlier, or or that I've been looking at. So that could be a really good steal for for Detroit, and I think they could make it work. And if any team's going to make it work, it's going to be them and Stevie Y. So yeah. I like that yeah. pick. Absolutely, yeah. Good discussion uh, on the Red Wings picking at number eight, and now to pick number nine as we uh, get close to rounding out the the uh, the top 10 and uh, it's my Buffalo Sabres picking at nine and we talked about him earlier he is a player that 
just continues to rise up the uh, up the draft rankings. I don't know if he'll be in this spot, but I think it would be a great organizational need. We talked about him earlier. I have Carter Gauthier going to the Buffalo Sabres at number nine. And again, like I said, with the Arizona Coyotes uh, earlier, I think it addresses a bit of an organizational need. I've seen a lot of chatter about uh, Victor Olofsson not being back with the Sabres, just considering how he had such an up-and-down season, not really being an effective player five-on-five, but still having that ability to score goals. Gauthier has the ability to score goals, and he's a big winger. How great would he look next to a Tage Thompson or a Dylan Cousins in Buffalo? So I love this pick if they could pick Gauthier, but... I would totally understand and would not be surprised if he is not that late for the Sabres and they're able to grab someone else. But I would really like the Sabres to go with a winger. They did it with Jack Quinn. That looks like a good pick. J.J. Paterka in the second round, same thing. So I think Gauthier would be great for the Sabres at number nine if he's there. If he's there, then I'm I'm happy for you in Buffalo because I, I think that would be a great fit. But like I said, I see him going a little earlier than a lot of people think. And um, but but it's totally possible he's still available at number nine based off draft boards. I I also have a winger going to Buffalo mostly because I needed a little bit of help <laughs> with Buffalo. I was like, "What's a need, Harper?" You said winger. I'm like, "All right, I'm on it." <laughs> and I have uh, Jonathan Lecker Mackey. Um, the Swedish 5'11", 172 winger. He's the second pure goal scorer I'm drafting on my board. And uh, he's coming off a great year in the J20 National and the U18s and then got some extended time in the SHL. So we've kind of seen what he can do and it's shoot the puck and it's score goals. So I, I, I for the kind of same reasons as you've said about Buffalo Harper, I, I have him going here. Yeah, both good picks, guys. Um, I'm going to go off the board for this one, and I've said that twice now, so I'm starting to think that mine will be the least accurate rankings here, or at least accurate on draft day. But like in my brain, to me, it just makes sense. So you're just going to have to come aboard and, and listen to this, okay? We talked about some of the best skaters in the draft, okay? We mentioned Logan Cooley being one of the best skaters in the draft, uh, Matej Chuck. I don't think I mentioned how good of a skater he is, but he's regarded as one of the best skaters in the draft. Um, but by far, the number one skater in this draft. But like, in this, is, you can't even argue this. Like, every scout will tell you, depending on where they have him in in their their rankings, he's the number one skater, and that's Brad Lambert, and that's who I have at number nine going to the Buffalo Sabers. And Harp, I, I knew you knew that. I knew you knew that. Yes, I did. <laughs> um, so Brad Lambert is a completely polarizing player. Obviously, he's been sliding down and down and down the draft rankings, similar to. Atu Ratti last year, who ended up going to the Islanders, I think, at like, you know, late anyway, like late first round. But I think Lambert is just too good to pass on. And if he's still available at number nine, I think the Sabres have to take a swing on him because they're one of the only teams in this first round who can afford to because they have the 16th pick. And if you take a player like like Cutter Gochi at number nine, a harp, like you said, you know, I think that's the safer pick, but he's not going to be available at 16. 
Um, and I don't think Brad Lambert will be either. So I feel like you just have to take a swing and, and get the guy with the highest potential. And for me, that's that's Lambert. You know, they've already got a ton of players, you know, who, who can play. And I think either of those guys would fit in nicely. But Brad Lambert, to me, I think he's just too talented to to keep dropping. And I think any team who takes him and has the capability to to develop him into the player that that you know you see in his potential then i think he could be a fantastic pick at number nine what do you guys think about that um i think he is going to be available at 16 and that's when buffalo should pick him yeah yeah he has fallen that's for sure um yeah yeah the three years ago we were talking about him rivaling shane Wright about uh the first overall pick and he's kind of fallen way off and think think teams get caught up on that when they when they see this so i'll be it'll be i'll be following him if, that's for sure if he's available i've always liked 16. the player yeah yeah i've always liked the player so i will be interested to see who picks him and how that works yeah. out for them if he's available at 16 that's a no-brainer for buffalo that's the most talented yeah. one of the most talented players in the draft for sure the best skater you have to take them, but I just I just wonder if a team between ten and fifteen sees the same thing I see and goes, "Listen, like we just have to, we just got to take a chance." Yeah, I yeah. think if there's a a team that does it between ten and sixteen, it's it's Vancouver. Um, I think they're another team that could just take a swing at a a wild card player and and hope for him to to light it up because they do need to. They need to do something like that, honestly. Case, do you and have the order the other, in front of you? Yeah. What's the order? Uh, 10 is Anaheim, 11 is San Jose, 12 is Columbus, which is another second pick. So yeah. it could be them. Then the Islanders, Winnipeg, Vancouver, then Buffalo. So I could see Lambert going to the Islanders at 13. 13 is a case, the Islanders pick? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, because the head coach with the Islanders is Lane Lambert, and that's Brad's uncle. And who did they take as a potential steal who really fell was Atu Ratty. So I could see the Islanders doing the same thing here. But do you, Brad Lambert. you think they have two guys, though? You think they have two guys who are late picks? I guess Barzell, you're right, their case. But how about to Columbus? Yarmo Kekalainen, Finnish connection there, Harp. Yes, I already mentioned that earlier, but yes, I could. Yes, I could see that for sure. And that two would be picks great. in the in the first fifteen. Because what's yep. what's Columbus at twelve? Yeah, yeah. So that like that furthers my point. I think if you're Buffalo, you got to take a swing on them at nine. I like it, man. I do, but I also like. Your pick case with Leckier Mackey, the only thing that I've seen that's kind of the issue or the question mark with him is his consistency to bring that consistent effort every single night. But it's another talented Swedish winger. And who did the Sabres take with their second first rounder last year? A player who they really liked, and that was Isaac Rosen out of Sweden. So I could certainly see them going that route as well. But Chad, I like the big swing idea with Lambert, man. No one has been up and down more than him in this draft class. And uh, 
No question about it. He's a talented hockey player, and whichever organization gets him is going to get a good player. So well, I like I'll, the idea of Buffalo taking a big swing. I'll say this too, like because he he played for the Pelicans in the Liga and got traded to to where was it JYP, and his production was abysmal, and it's been getting worse year over year, which is never a good sign. But you've got to think that there's other factors available because you watch a clip of this guy and he's just explosive and he, he can skate end to end and he it doesn't seem like he's afraid to go to the dirty areas of the net because you know there's always someone he'll say, who will say you know he's a perimeter player and and maybe that's a bit true but in some clips that I've seen he's he's going straight to the net but I mean there's a lot to like in the player and I just think Buffalo has so many guys that they've picked over the last few years and it's like you know, you've got sure things in your cousins and, you know, you've got Krebs now and, you know, you mentioned uh, Rosen and Paterka and you've got Darlene who is established. Like, they've just got so many really good players and and it just makes sense to me to take a swing on a guy who could make all of them better up front. Yeah, well... Craig Button has him at 42, and his word is law because he speaks louder than everyone. So he does. I don't even see him going in the first round anymore because Craig Button has, has him at 42. He does speak louder than everyone, that's for sure. Uh, the other guy I wonder about at number nine for the Sabres is Jimmy Snuggerud. If you guys have seen him on, on previous lists, He's I wonder about him button. as well. He's eight yeah. on buttons. Another... Um, another u.s born uh forward anyway that'll be a really interesting pick no doubt about it uh great arguments by you two yet again and uh now rounding out the top 10 with the anaheim ducks so pat Verbeek gets a shot at his first nhl draft with the ducks he sold off big time uh, getting assets at the deadline. And uh, with this pick, I have the Ducks taking left shot defenseman Kevin Korchinski uh, from Seattle, a strong skating left shot D, as I mentioned. I think there's a need there after uh, Elias Lindholm, uh, or not Elias Lindholm, Hampus Lindholm, yes. excuse me, uh, exited the organization at the deadline. And other than Jamie Drysdale, guys, um, you know, if I'm wrong, please stop me. But I don't see a lot of depth in this organization on defense. So I think that picking uh, Korchinski or if um, Mintyakov is there, we mentioned him earlier, or even Matejchuk, your guy, Chad, just another defenseman to uh, go alongside Jamie Drysdale uh, to have just another guy. Uh, for the future on the back end of the Anaheim Ducks. But uh, I've got them taking Korchinski uh, because I like the idea of having him on the left side, Drysdale on the right uh, for the future of the back end of the Anaheim Ducks. Well, isn't it interesting, Harper, that I am correcting you on the pronunciation of a player's name? Isn't that interesting? Because I have one of the players you mentioned going to the Anaheim Ducks for the same reason in that they need defensemen in their prospect pool, and that's Pavel Minchkov. Um, That's the pronunciation. I watched a Saginaw Spirit uh, broadcast to to hear how they say it, get Fucking corrected, Harper. <laughs> Jeez. But uh, for all the same reasons, Harper, another defenseman in his prospect pool, I think he's the the 
stereotypical offensive defenseman in this draft. Uh, he, he is a he's a dwinger, really. Uh, almost a point per game in the OHL. Uh, decent size and great skating. So I think that this is going to be the perfect lefty to pair with Drysdale on your power play. Wouldn't that be sweet? So uh, yeah, for the same reason, Harper, I've got Minchkov going to Anaheim. The Correct. organizational Holy need, <laughs> the organizational <laughs> need that you guys both pointed out for Anaheim makes total sense. Uh, that being said, for Anaheim, on the way my draft board fell, I'm between two players, so you can slot in whichever one you think fits best. Frank Nazar, who we already talked about, and Cutter Gauthier, who we also already talked about. Both U.S. development program players who I think would fit in really nicely with Trevor Zegras up front. Both can play down the middle, uh, Nazar more than Gauthier, but Gauthier can do it as well. So I think that would just be a fit. It just depends, you know, do they want the better skater in Nazar or do they want the guy who can shoot the puck like a maniac and might have the best shot in the draft, and that's Cutter Gauthier. So just depends what they want for organizational need. Yeah, I thought I thought the, the same thing. You know, like I was having a hard time with this Anaheim one. I almost went with Connor Geeky for the same reason, but uh, I think he'd pair well with McTavish. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Yep. True. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's a. That's a. I mean, if you, again, if if Goche's still available, that's a great pick for Anaheim. So I'm just high on the player. <laughs> yeah. No, and and rightfully so. He's been one of those big risers in uh, in draft rankings. That's for sure. All right, guys. Well, that does it. That rounds out our mock top 10 for the first round of the 2022 NHL entry draft. Again, round one is on Thursday, July 7th uh, from the Bell Center in Montreal. The Habs have the number one pick. And uh, we'll toss these uh, up on our Instagram so that uh, you all can take a look at it. And, yes. Uh, give can, us, hold give on. Us can you guys thoughts. send me those, please, so that I can yes. get them in order? Okay, yeah. good. Yes, we um, sure will. Something I want to sneak in here just before we wrap up is one player that's on my players kind of to watch uh, list and I think will be a sneaky little dark horse pick if, if someone grabs him in the first round and that's Isaac Howard. Mm. That's my player to Good watch. Choice. You know, yep. Howard was ranked by Corey Promman as having the best hockey IQ in the draft, even above Shane Wright. That's how high Corey Promman is I, on Howard. Did not see that, yeah. but um, that kind of fits with how I think about the guy. Yeah. <laughs> so I was shocked when I saw that there was an athletic article um, that like from Promman where he ranked the the players based on you know best skaters, best puck skills, best shot, best hockey sense, etc. And yeah, uh, Howard was number one in in hockey sense, so that blew he, my mind. He has better production than Logan Cooley on the same team. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I've seen him. I've seen him like late first round, and I think that he'd be an absolute steal in the top fifteen. Yeah, I've seen Howard as high as number four in uh, in draft rankings. I mean, that was a few months ago, but uh, yeah, no question that the talent is there. That's a good name. All right, so uh, we'll do the same then for for you and I, Chad. So sure. Casey's got Howard as sort of a um, you know a wild card pick. Uh, someone to to watch what about you who's that one guy for you well yeah just looking at this case another athletic guy scott wheeler has isaac howard at 
at tenth overall in his projections, so that makes sense. So, I thought when you said I'm looking at another athletic guy, I was like, Chad, I think all these players are pretty athletic. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking? About? <laughs> looking at Phil Kessel 2.0 at tenth overall. <laughs> like, no, so Howard, like Scott Wheeler, has Howard at tenth, but the guy that I'm watching and. Like my Fabian Lysel this year, because you guys remember how high I was on him, uh, whatever. And then he went to the Bruins, so now I hate him instinctively. <laughs> but uh, it, it's Brad Lambert, guys, and and you knew that. So I I hate to just reiterate the player, but I'd be lying if I said my number one player to watch is is not Brad Lambert. So it, I just oh, I, if he's available at twenty five to the Maple Leafs, oh. <laughs> imagine what the Leafs development system could do with him but I think he goes early and I think Buffalo or Columbus one of those two teams with two picks in the first 15 or the first 16 I suppose should uh, take a swing on him for sure uh, I will go with uh, someone kind of off the board and I've seen him really go up and down the draft rankings throughout the year and that is nathan gaucher the centerman from the quebec ramparts mm-hmm. um i think would be a great second first round pick for the montreal canadians um but someone who i have seen you know as high as 15 mid 20s even early second round so i'll go with nathan gaucher well there yeah. i mean there's a few honorable mentions too like there's mira Schnichenko who has hodgkin's lymphoma and then there's a few russians too. that whole situation we don't know where they're gonna go you know there's yep. connor geeky who i think case you mentioned earlier as as a potential guy to watch um so yeah there, there's yeah, a bunch of guys at like 11 yeah there's a bunch of guys who who could make their way into the top 10 depending on on circumstance or if a team wants to take a swing on them but yeah i wouldn't be shocked also, if any of those guys made it well yeah also remember the fact that we're absolutely baffled every year at some of these picks that happen so yeah yeah like when we were baffled by moritz cider and then two years later he's a calder trophy winner <laughs> <laughs> yeah watch uh watch the same thing happen with um oh god drawn a blank right now the other the swedish defenseman in detroit who's gonna play next year oh edvins edvinson yes, yeah yes. watch the same thing happen with him yeah <laughs> yeah seriously uh speaking of defensemen too i do think that we're gonna see a lot of good defensemen go later in the first round and into the second round there are there are three guys in my mind that i can think of that that um you know fit the bill for that yeah Okay, is that it? We got our top 10. We, we banged it That's out. That's it. We're good. Yep. So, Chad, we'll send those to you. And uh, like I said, we'll, we'll put them up on our Instagram and uh, get your wonderful listener thoughts. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to the draft again. Round one kicks off on Thursday, July 7th from the Bell Center in Montreal. Looking forward to it. And, again, congratulations So the Colorado Avalanche 2022 Stanley Cup champions. Great episode, boys. Great to be with you again this week. And thanks so much for listening. We'll chat with you again next week. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. 
Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at www.patron.com slash boysinthebooth.